It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the Auburn Live Podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Hey, welcome into another Auburn Live show. Appreciate everybody joining us. I am Justin Hokinson, and uh, we're back at it talking a little Auburn football. Hey, before we get to our guests, um, real quick, want to give a shout out to a couple of partners of the show. I always like to, to give them the, some love at the beginning. Uh, Southeastern, great, great bar, downtown Auburn, beautiful two-story building, cool lounge area up top, indoor-outdoor seating, uh, but really awesome place for game days, awesome place on the weekends, um, generally have a stage and band playing and, and all that good stuff. So really, really cool place. Go check out Southeastern, downtown Auburn. Our other partner, the Irritable Bao Restaurant on Magnolia. I love saying the name, but it's awesome. It's like Chinese bao, and and they have like chicken skewers and and uh, shrimp roll, like bang bang shrimp rolls, and different kinds of bowls, like rice bowls and stuff. But it's so good. It's on Magnolia in downtown Auburn. Go check them out. Whitley Dykes is a is a is a good dude, and they'll get you out in and out really really quickly. So go check them out um, as well. Hey, so glad to be joined by uh, somebody that I go back a long way with. Um, he and his partners have an awesome new venture in Birmingham called The Next Round. They have been a staple in Birmingham Sports Radio for you know for a long time, and uh, I'm glad that he could uh, have a little had a few moments to come on the show and talk a little bit Auburn football. And that is Ryan Brown. Ryan, what's up, man? Hoke, how are you, man? Everything good? Everything's good. Everything's good. Get back in the swing of things. Um, took a little hiatus. Yeah, little hiatus. I'm aware. I'm aware. It's good to have you back, though. I am I was thrilled uh, to see that you were getting back involved, and um, I look forward to seeing what happens. It's an exciting new venture, and um, I mean, look, I've, I've, I've followed Shannon Terry. I've followed his career for a long time. There's nothing he started that hasn't been a massive success, so I know that you guys are going to be massive. Yeah, we, we certainly hope so. Um, hey, and, and, and before we get into the talk, tell, you know, tell everybody kind of what's going on with the next round. I've watched on yeah. YouTube. It's super awesome. Um, the, 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 the studio looks good. The lights, getting away and doing the independent thing, I think is awesome for y'all. But sort of catch people up because they're probably going, I used to listen to, 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 yeah. to Dolan Brown or, you know, uh, or the roundtable. And, and now where, where are they? And so you guys are really doing something unique and cool. Yeah, so we left WJOX, and it was not a uh, acrimonious departure. We were very, very happy there. They had treated us very well, but you know, um, we we all wanted to do myself, Jim Dunaway, Lance Taylor, and a guy we call Rockstar, Sean Henniger is his name. Um, and I know you know all those people. Hoke, I was just telling the the audience, <laughs> but um, we we had decided, you know, we kind of wanted to do something on our own and have some ownership and some autonomy. And um, that model just really doesn't work within a corporate structure. I mean, to you know, they're they're smart people. They don't want to hand over ownership to anyone. They certainly don't want to ever hand over autonomy. That's not the way they do business. So, you know, we found a path that allowed us to do that. 
and honor, you know, any sort of agreements we had made with them contractually. And, uh, you know, the, the whole digital, as you know, because it's kind of what you're doing now, the whole digital space is kind of where our world is headed in, in entertainment. And, you know, uh, just think about how much TV you consume, not through traditional TV, but digitally now. And, you know, I think audio will be the same. So we wanted to try to kind of get in, at least in this, this state and, and Birmingham on the front end of that. So we launched a digital platform that includes a live show every day, nine to one, and podcast and this live video, live audio on our app and on our website. It's called The Next Round. The app is available in Apple and Google Play, and you can get it nextroundlive.com for all the info. Watch us on YouTube or Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Um, we're, we're, we're trying to be everywhere. We won't be on radio, but we'll be everywhere but radio. So uh, it's been really fun. We're into week two now, and you know the response has been really good, and we're excited. and We've had a good time doing it, so I appreciate you letting me share it a little bit. So nextroundlive.com is the website. Yeah, it's awesome, and I like – you know, I'll like during the days I'll go on to see kind of, you know, I'll go listen to a podcast or something. And then you guys in real time are putting in the hours, which is cool. So if it's like noon, you know, I can go back and listen, already start listening to hour one yeah. versus, you know, waiting, um, yeah. which is pretty, is pretty sweet. Twitch. I've never been on Twitch. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it on Twitch. Yeah. I, it's, you know, my understanding is, and I'm about to sound really old. I think it's a, a, a platform where gamers, you know, yeah. do a lot of their, yeah, they play the games, people go watch it on video. So um, awesome. that's who we're, re- that's who we're really going after the gamers. Um, but, I do that for games. Maybe I could just log on yeah. to Twitch and you can watch me watch a game. Yeah. Why not? Um, so, yeah, we were, um, you know, we just wanted to be on every platform we could be on. I don't know yeah. how many people are consuming us on Twitch, but it's available there if they want to. That's so awesome. Well, it looks great. Um, I'm going to be the first person to ever give you um, a suggestion Um, because I, and I know y'all are probably going down this road, but like, here's my only thing. So when I'm working, I'll have, I have my laptop on the left and I've got y'all up and then I've got my computer and I'm working. And so I'll kind of have it tuned. Like I'll either have it turned down like a little bit. So I'm listening, but then there's times maybe where I want to listen to an interview or an audio that I have to transcribe it. And so I have to mute it. If y'all had like, headers at the bottom so that so i could look over and go all right what are they talking about now oh Interesting. i, could, I yeah. could stop and i could i could go and mute it so i want to oh they're talking about something you know okay all right i'll i'll pass that on to the creative department see if they can get on that that's a great idea i do like that idea yeah so if you're getting into a segment you know you're going to get into throw me up yeah. a throw me up a little you know first take type thing at the bottom so i can pop yeah. in. Ooh, i want to hear what they say about because like the other day i was curious when all the covid stuff was going on at auburn I was like, when they get to that point, I was like, I just want to hear their opinions on that. And I couldn't, I was like, yeah, I wonder when they're going to talk about it. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. You know how our show's done as well, too. Um, that header could just as easily say boxers or briefs, pie or cake. <laughs> you know, I mean, it could say almost anything, but I do love the idea. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Um, well, it's awesome. Hey, let's talk about um, Auburn. Um, yeah. Let's start kind of broad because I haven't really gotten some of your some of your impressions on on some broader stuff and then we'll get specific. Um, the Auburn program right now, where do you view Auburn in the sec right now? I mean, do you, are they, and, and I'd say, I'd say two, two things. Where do you view them? Just kind of, do you think they're a fifth, six, like where do you kind of put them in the, in the, in the, in the mix? And do you think they're trending up or down? Like if you say they're six, are they closer to three or are they closer to 10? Like, I'm just kind of curious, yeah. like where you sort of 
think they fall right now as a program with SEC, and it's just a lot of teams are are, yeah. are jockeying. Yeah, no, I I think they're you know you've got your obvious elites right who who are Alabama and Georgia, and then I think you've got that next tier that are you know Florida and Texas A and M and LSU that are looking to challenge. And I do think Auburn's in that next group. Um, I do think they're at the top of that next group. And Auburn, that's the one thing about Auburn is, you know, whether it is, you know, Terry Bowden or Tommy Tuberville or Gene Chizik or, or Gus Malzahn, Auburn has always shown the propensity to quickly rise to the top of the SEC. And at times, just as quickly fall back, fall back to where they were. <laughs> and, and, you know, I know that is super frustrating for Auburn fans. But just because, you know, if I were to say Auburn is six, and you said six, I think that's probably a pretty good spot. But if I were to say that, you know, they could just as easily be number one pretty pretty soon. It has been the ability to hold that. And I do think they're closer to three than ten. Um, I do. I, I think Brian Horson is a fascinating hire. It's a guy that came completely out of left field for me. Yeah. I, I never once considered Brian Horson for this job. I, I thought it would be your, you know, your old school type of Auburn hire that would be a guy that had some sort of Southern roots, Southern connections, maybe even an Auburn connection. Uh, never thought Brian Parson. I mean, that is so far out of left field, but I like that aspect of it. it. It won't make him successful. I mean, you know, X's and O's in recruiting will make him successful. But I do love the fact that Alan Green and some of the power brokers at Auburn decided, let's do this differently than we've done it because doing it the way we've done it, Hasn't really worked. We've basically had to ask our last two or three coaches to leave. And the truth is our two biggest rivals are the two best programs in the SEC right now. So let's try something different to catch them. And, um, you know, that, I, I love that aspect of it. I'm, I am fascinated to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I'm with you on Harson. I had no idea. I don't. I don't. I don't know many people. Uh, even people that are generally fairly well connected. That that was that was out of. They they did a good job of. Um, once all the Kevin Steele stuff got squashed, um, that that one they did a good job of keeping that one under wraps. Um, do you, Do so, you want me to tell you how quiet they kept it? And you uh, you might know this. Yeah. Uh, the 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 four of us on our show are actually represented by the same people that represent Brian Harson. Russ Campbell and Patrick Strong, and we didn't know it. I mean, so to show you how quiet that was kept, we actually share the same representation. Wow! And had no earthly idea that uh, Brian Horson was even a candidate. So wow! um, Whoever launched that idea and pursued that idea did a marvelous job of keeping it quiet, and that's really hard to do. Yeah, and I bet it happened very quickly. You yeah. know, if, if that's probably part of the reason it was kept so quiet too. It probably went from interview to accepting to like, it probably happened so quick that it limited the, uh, the time it could get out. Um, so I agree with you about, you know, kind of bringing Harson in you're right. There's no guarantees. Like we, I've kind of come to the point, like I thought Tom and Her- Tom Herman was a great hire and it didn't work. Like, so I've kind of gotten to the point where trying to predict how a coach is going to do is is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of dumb. I just, I just look at it and go, okay, like what are some foundational pieces that you can, that you can look at? What are, what are some small things that you can predict? And, and all I'm predicting is, is there a foundation there? Are there, are there things that can be built on to win a championship past that? I don't know if he will or not. I can only look at Brian Arson and go, okay, are there like, how does he, how does he act? How does he recruit? How does he, how does he sort of look at trying to build a program 
And then if I think he does all those things well, then I say, okay, I think Auburn's got a guy that they could potentially win with. Past that, then you got injuries and depth, and oh, you yeah. miss out on that offensive tackle. And, and then it's like a whole litany of things to whether you're going to win a championship or not. But I like what I've seen so far about him being, I mean, he's a very serious guy. He's a very business guy, business-like guy. He's very much a process guy, a rules guy. He's like, a, he's like when I talk to people inside the program, he's like a drill sergeant. Um, yeah. I even – funny i don't think i've even mentioned this but i've talked to some people inside there and you know of course he's been away from the facility um past few days <laughs> some people are like whew, like like wiping their brow like i can breathe a little bit because he's just when he's well, around it's you better do it the right way well i think any successful program anymore um the the coach has if not entire autonomy he's very close to having the the autonomy in the program and I, I think that's the only way you're going to be successful anymore in college football you got to have a head coach and, and it sounds awful because you want to have checks and balances but you've got to be able to hire a guy that is good enough and you trust enough just to hand him the keys and say this is your program you run it how you see fit and you don't you're not running anything by me power boosters athletics directors you know there's got to be a respectful relationship there but you've got to have a coach that, that has near full autonomy. Or, or I just don't think you can be ultra successful in college football anymore. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. So you have Harson coming in. And I've told people, like, I don't know, I don't know your feelings on this, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it's hard for me to think. I'm sure there are. But, but in Auburn history, no. But, like, it's hard to imagine a better situation to come into – then like what Brian Harson in terms of a, a power five team, but in terms of a team and a program, the quality of Auburn, he steps into a program that was in a bowl game last year that has recruited consistently in the top 15. And in year two, he's going to have a $90 million football facility brand spanking new that he gets to break in. Um, very rarely do you get to come into a program. Normally if you're coming in, it's, 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 it's a coach retiring, but more likely it's a coach being fired and you're having to rebuild something and they didn't go to a bowl game the year before and recruiting fell off the cliff and, you know, whatever the reason is. It's not the case here. I mean, Gus is just a roller coaster that people got tired of. Um, yeah. he, he comes into a situation of good, good talent, um, a program that's in a bowl and a facility that is about to be, you know, unbelievable that he gets to recruit to. Um, not many excuses for him coming into the situation. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good deal. No, it really is. And, and, you know, not to revisit the Gus Miles on era too much, but like you said, really in my, in my view, the thing that Auburn fans got so upset with Gus Miles on about is he kind of lost the reason you hired him. You hired Gus Miles on because he was this innovative offensive guy that could put the Kirby smarts and Nick Saban's the world on their heels defensively. And you know, that was really good for the first year, really good for the first year. It was good for most of the second year. And then somewhere in that second year, into the third year, he just kind of lost that. And he would get it back occasionally, but he, he couldn't maintain it. So, I mean, if Gus Malzahn had been able to maintain that, he'd still be the coach at Auburn today. Yeah. So to your point, you're not, you're not taking over for a guy that, you know, ran the program into the ground. You're taking over for a guy that, if he had just remained who he was, he probably still has the job. So if I'm Brian Harson, that's encouraging to me, right? That, that, you know, they obviously had faith enough in me to hire me. I can go in and if I can do my thing and have some success, there, there is a path to being successful here. Gus Malzahn showed that. 
he just couldn't do it consistently because for whatever reason, he went away from what got him those jobs, what got him, you know, the offensive coordinator job under Chiswick, the head coaching job at Arkansas state and, and ultimately the Auburn job. Uh, and for whatever reason, he went away from that. Yeah. It's amazing <clears throat> for an offensive coordinator. You know, your whole job is to adjust and he did not No, never. He didn't adjust. Never, never. It, it, everything changed and he never could adjust. And yeah, it became a thing of kind of grasping for straws that and not recruiting offensive linemen. That, that's a, you know, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big one. Um, the, that stat, I can't remember it now, but the, the, the fact that he did, like, didn't land a, an offensive tackle for like three classes is just the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with you. And, you know, and then when you look back on it, too, you're like, I know you won games with Jared Stidham. You won, uh, you know, some uh, an Iron Bowl with Jared Stidham. And it, it was just you changed your offense for him. You, right. you just changed what you did for Jared Stidham. And that's nothing against Stidham. He's obviously a very good quarterback. But you wonder if it just kind of turned there for him. Um, because once you're willing to change who you are for a quarterback, you've, you've kind of lost your identity. So Brian Harson comes in, and boy, I thought Gus Malzahn was really paranoid as a coach, and he was. Um, <laughs> but so far, boy, it is lockdown um, in terms of how Brian Harson deals with information getting out. Um, you know, it just and just in how he's dealing with the program, it's um, it's pretty lockdown. It's it's probably a difference. You know, Gus was paranoid. Maybe it's not a paranoid thing. Maybe it's a it's a just a straight up control thing. Maybe maybe there's some kind of difference in there, but. Um, but it's, it's, you know, he, he's, he's in it and how he's approaching it. I was gonna, I was gonna start to talk about, you know, Hey, what do we expect from this team? Like, what are some of the benchmarks? What are we looking for in this team and this program or what are things you've heard? And I think all that's still valid, but now the past week with this, with the COVID stuff and, and Harson being out and Derek Mason being out, I'm trying to figure out how to factor that in now to, what, what I think this team can do. I mean, what, yeah. like, what do you, how, how much weight do you put on them being away from the program right now? Like a week and a half out from game one. Yes, they have Akron, but Penn State's in week three. Like, is this, will this up impact a win or two? Or, or is this just, is this just kind of a heightened thing right now? But in the end, we, we shouldn't really be able to point to this as the reason they lost or won any, well, any games. Yeah, I mean, in a strange sense, I think actually Derek Mason being out is the bigger impact to me because he is coordinating a side of the football. And, you know, a great head coach has great assistants that he can still delegate to and the job can get done. He's got guys he trusts. Now, that said, you know, he and Mike Bobo, that's a pretty new relationship, obviously. Mm -hmm. He and Derek Mason is a new relationship. So it's not as if those guys have been with Brian Harson through the Boise State years back to Texas and you know, they know what he's thinking before he's thinking it. Those are still new guys, but they're also veteran guys. Um, you know, if Derek Mason had not been out too, I would say not a big deal. Um, but but Mason being out too, that, that does concern me just a little bit. You made the point, though, it's Akron, Alabama State. If it were Penn State week one, this is a big, bigger story. Um, but you, you, you've got your assistants. You've got time to make corrections off the first game film then the, and, and then play an inferior opponent, honestly, where you can put those corrections in place and make even more corrections going to Penn State. Ultimately, they've got to find a better way. You mentioned the bad recruiting at offensive line. 
if they cannot protect Bo Nix and block for Tank Bigsby, it, it will be a long year for Auburn's offense. I mean, that's, to me, what it comes down to. You know, all of Bo Nix's issues, to me, start with the fact that he hasn't gotten the quality protection. And there are times he has to bail the pocket earlier than he wants. And then there are times where he feels a little bit of pressure and bails too early. But that all goes back to the fact that he gets a lot of pressure. No, there's no question. And that's what I've heard in the scrimmages so far pretty much is inconsistent offensive line play, which has led to inconsistent play from Bo Nix. Um, and, and, and very much the type of results that we saw last year. I think the only difference is the only excuse we can make, obviously, is it's a new offense. And, and even when we talked to Bobo at the beginning of fall camp, he said, he's like, we're trying to figure out our identity. Like, we, we are still trying to figure out who does what well and what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses. And like, so, you know, you think about an offense without an identity is, is worst case scenario. So there's just so much to figure out. It's like why I think that they're not really, I think it's going to be well into the season before you see the offense, you know, it could be, maybe they show glimpses against Penn state, maybe LCU. I just think it's going to be some games before you start to see like a rhythm. If that happens the first couple games, great, but I, I'm almost not even – I'm almost going to kind of ignore it and say, I'm waiting until Penn State, and if it happens – if they have rhythm against Penn State, okay, you've got something. I'm, I'm guessing there won't be against Penn State, and it's going to be a work in progress for a while. Well, I mean, there are just so many variables in there. I mean, yeah, again, you've got a guy calling plays, a Mike Bobo, uh, or Brian Harson, you know, whoever is ultimately calling the plays. you got yeah. guys calling plays for, for Bo Nix that have never called plays for him before. So – you know, I'm sure, I mean, my gosh, I, I was about to say, you know, Bo Nix probably had some comfort, but he had different guys calling plays for him all the time. I mean, this mm-hmm. is yet another offensive coordinator for him. So he doesn't have the comfort of knowing this is what's coming, right? You know, I, I know what Mike Bobo's thinking. So you've got that variable. Then you've got, you mentioned an inconsistent offensive line, which he's played behind for a couple of years, which is already probably in his head a little bit. Yeah. Then, then, then you've got receivers that he's never really thrown to in game action. Has he thrown to them on the side? Sure. In practice and scrimmages? Yeah. But not in game action. And, yeah. you know, the, the one security blanket he's got is what might be the best running back in the SEC, which is behind him. That's a great thing to have. But there again, if you can't block for Tank Bigsby, he can only be so good. So, you know, there are just so many variables to your point there, Hope, that, that yeah, if you can have all that ironed out by the Penn State game, I think you've done a phenomenal job of coaching. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I think they would. I'm, I'm kind of not expecting that, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a wait-and-see guy. That's how I think about it. So if, if anybody ever listens to me, just understand that I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more cynical and a little bit more, you know, yeah, well, you know, I want to <laughs> see, see it before I believe it on, on some of this stuff. Um, and so we'll see how it goes. So, all right. So having said that, you know, when I talk to different people on our message board and, and just sort of get the vibe, everybody's got a different expectation of like what success looks like this season. Um, what would it look like for you, for somebody that's watched the Auburn program forever? What is success? Is it, is it a certain number of wins? Is it, um, is it, is it, is it a performance against Georgia? Is it a performance against Alabama? Is it like, are there one or two things that you, if you see it, you'll go, okay, maybe not the, maybe not, you didn't win every game. Maybe, maybe everything didn't go your way this year, but here's, here's something that I saw or didn't see 
that will make me feel good or bad about the direction of the program? Like, is there anything that stands out to you in that regard that you kind yeah, of I mean, I think, look for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the easy answer is record, right? I mean, nine and three, I think Brian Harson should be coach of the year, yeah. you know? Yeah. Eight and four. I think people would say, well, you probably lost, you know, I'm assuming the four, you know, Texas, let's say Texas A&M, Penn State, Georgia, and Alabama. Okay, well, you probably lost the four best teams in your schedule. Well, that means he wins in Baton Rouge. Boy, he's, he's got it then. Coach the yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be a heck of a win. Or if you win in Happy Valley. I <laughs> think if he if he wins at Penn State, um, you know, I think this Auburn fan base will be all aboard. And, and, and the truth is, you probably still have some struggles ahead. I mean, that's the yeah. way those things happen in a first oh, yeah. year. You'll, you'll go play a game where you lay a complete egg. I always look at a first-year coach. I'm willing, in most cases, especially the type of scenario that, that Auburn is in right now, and by that I mean a guy that is not replacing a guy that so successfully went to the NFL or retired or he cashed in and took another job and left a, a, a covered stock, a guy that had gotten a little bit of stale situation. I'm willing to flush the first-year record a little bit. I mean, don't, don't go losing to, you know, you know, Akron, but I'm willing to flush it. <laughs> for the most part, if I can see obvious improvement, if I can watch game one against Akron and game 12 against Alabama, and I can see this was a different team from game one to game 12, I'm willing to ignore a record a little bit because I see, I, I see, you know, for lack of a better term, the process. So I think that's what I would look at. Are you better at the end of the year than you were at the start of the year? Mm -hmm. Are you still, you know, you don't have Georgia at the end anymore, but back in the day, you know, you would say, how did your team play against Georgia and Alabama? Were they, were you out of gas? You know, had they packed it in Had the seniors packed it in? Were you able to keep them engaged? You know, you see some of those, some of those situations where it's a first year coach and all of a sudden at the end of the year for the rivalry games, those teams get up. And I put a lot of stock into that. That tells me that coach is able to motivate. He's able to squeeze a little bit more juice out of a tough situation. So I think that's kind of what I look for. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on, on, are they better at the end? I think that's a good thing to look for um, because I, I think given everything that's going on, you, you would hope that that's, that that happens um, and, and that they're better. Like I'm not, I'm not really even looking for like, is Bo Nix better or worse? I mean, I, I would probably look more at the offensive line than, than, than him. But when you're trying to predict sort of the season and the program, yeah. I think from a, like a toughness standpoint, like how do they, you know, we understand he still has to recruit defensive tackle. You know, he sort of had to rebuild to make this work with Tony Fair and Marcus Harris um, offensive line. You know, I mean, there's only like six decent players there. It's just not there. But can they hold could they could they hold their own? Yeah. Could, could he make up could, from a development or scheme standpoint? Could he make up a little bit of a talent gap if I watch him against LSU or Texas A&M or Georgia or Alabama? Can I look at it and go, gosh, it, you know, it, it feels like they – match up a little better than they did last year, but it's basically the same players. That's right. Yeah. That'd be a good thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I, I'll give you a good example. Let's go back to the Gene Chizik era. Uh, that first year for Chizik didn't quite go as well as everybody wanted it to go, but they got to the Iron Bowl and that team played their I, I left that Iron Bowl. That was a national championship Alabama team. Yeah. And in 2009, and I left the Iron Bowl thinking, man, that team played their tail off for him. Like, those seniors had not packed it in. That team had not given up on a tough year. Um, they played their tail off for him in that game. And and that, that's that's what I'm talking about is when you get to the end. I mean, if you go back to Malzahn, that's such a non-traditional first year Man. to have that kind of success. It's kind of hard to make an example of that one. Um, obviously, that was the kick six game. Clearly, they played their tail off in that one. But 
um, that was not a team that was packing it in. Or, or So I always look at that. Are you still able to motivate a team when they know it's been a tough year? Are you still able to keep the seniors engaged before they go? Do you keep the underclassmen focused on that? And I think you can tell that on the field. You can tell when a team's packed it in and when they haven't. And I think it speaks volume about your coaching staff. If this season isn't quite what Auburn fans expect, if it's more of a seven and five season, if at the end of the schedule, your team is still playing their tail off, then I think that gives you hope for the future. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm with you. I, I agree on that, on that um, kind of outlook. I think everybody has sort of a different, you know, everybody's yeah. going to like, look at a different thing. I'm just, I'm always curious kind of what, what people's, um, you know, benchmarks are. Um, all right. So look, we, we, I think Auburn going to a bowl game would, would be, it would be good this year. I think, I think eight wins is fantastic. Like, cause that means oh, they're, yeah. they're upsetting somebody. Um, yeah. So where do you see, let's, let's go big picture and end on this in terms of, of, of the SEC, let's say the next two to three years. Um, we know Alabama and Georgia, let's take them out of the mix because sure. we, we know where they're going to stay in the next two or three years. Um, where does Auburn fit into the mix? A&M, Florida, LSU, Ole Miss is trying to get in there. You know, how do you see like that next tier over the next two or three years? Who is the best team from that middle tier that could compete or contend for an SEC title over the next two or three years? Like who's going to have the best shot? Florida, I guess I didn't mention them, but how do you see it? Well, I mean, to, to start with A&M, and you said it earlier, I'll, I'll need to see it to believe it, they've got a massive gap to close between them and Alabama in the West. They haven't been able to close that. And that has been the one thing Jimbo Fisher hasn't been able to do. Can he do it this year? I mean, I think if you were trying to bet on one, Jimbo Fisher has shown his ability to win a championship. Um, you know, that that team was right outside the playoff last year. They do lose Kellen Mond, but – I think that's a team you would look at and say it's hard not to buy their future moving forward a little bit. Um, you know, I look at – I've always – Dan Mullen is a complicated guy, Hoke. I've always liked him as a coach. But, it, it, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to get past some of his failures, honestly. Yeah. And I look last year, that team somehow managed to lose four games yeah. with cool. one of the best quarterbacks. And Florida's had a lot of good quarterbacks, and Trask was one of the best ones they've had in a while. Dude, that guy's numbers – I mean, they're sitting there putting him up at times, and you're looking at him versus um, Burrow, and you're like, what? He's having yeah. the same kind of season as Burrow? I know. And a, a, a generational tight end yeah. in Pitts, one of the craziest freaks we've ever seen in the SEC. And you still manage to lose four games. And it's hard for me to forgive. So, yeah, it's one thing to lose to LSU. They had no business losing that game, but the way they lost it yeah. with everything that was on the line and you had guys that looked like they were choosing to sit out and you had a mental or you had a discipline breakdown at the end of the game that cost you, cost you a chance to play for a national championship. I mean, they were still in the national championship hunt at that point. That's hard to overcome that type of thing with Dan Mullen. And I just, I don't know. I mean, he's got a great job, obviously. I liked what he did at Mississippi State. But again, to and to borrow your phrase from earlier, I'll have to see it to believe it with Dan Mullen. I mean, the team he had last year still lost four games. Um, so there's no reason to say that they're right up there. I, I do think kind of on the fringe of this, I'm interested to see who's got the most staying power in Mississippi. Is it, you know, Mike Leach at State or Kiffin at Ole Miss? Kiffin seems obviously to have the momentum right now, but everywhere Leach has gone, he's had bad jobs that he's found a way to contend for a conference title. So, you know, can he do that again at state? So, 
you know, I, I think if I were buying right now, A&M would probably be the one I would buy to join Alabama and Georgia out of that group. Yeah, I would probably, I would probably agree with you. <clears throat> they've rebuilt, you know, especially the, the lines, they've made a lot of progress yeah. on, on those, on the, in the trenches. And um, I would agree with you. Hey, when is Nick Saban retiring? <laughs> you tell me, I don't know. I keep thinking he will. I mean, he keeps getting younger, it seems. And the, the, the thing you would, and look, I know a lot of Auburn fans that cannot stand Nick Saban, but a lot of them will say, look, I got to give him credit for some yes. stuff. I mean, he's obviously yes. very good at what he does. And one thing I think you've got to give him credit for is his ability to, to roll with the changes. And, you know, it goes back to like 2013 and Auburn fans hated, you know, they made fun of Nick Saban about this when he said, is this where we want football going? Uh, with, you know, the way the offenses were going then and, and primarily the plays near the end of the kick six game that Nick Saban thought should have been penalties. And that was what sparked the, is this the way we want football going? And football said, yeah, this is the way we want it going. So Nick Saban said, well, okay, I'll jump on board. And he went out and hired Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and those guys. So, you know, his ability to change, and a lot of people thought this name, image, and likeness thing would be the end of Nick Saban. But I think he's embraced it as recruiting. He's like, look, you're going to have to embrace this to recruit at an elite level, so I'm going to figure out a way to embrace it. And from what I've heard in Tuscaloosa, um, it hasn't been – now, look, if, if it starts to lead to issues on the field, it, this could change. But as of now, he's actually been pretty forward-thinking about this and has embraced this idea. So as long as he's willing to do that and he's not some old guy stuck in his ways that is unwilling to change with the times – um, I don't think he retires within the next couple of years anyway. It's unbelievable. It really it's is. to the point where it's funny just having, you know, been kind of in the middle of this since he arrived at Alabama and I started covering right after that. But man, when he, when he, when he got on board, I remember this first three, three years, it was like, it was almost, I mean, you're, you're trying to go, well, he, he can't keep it up. Right. Like, I mean, he just, yeah. he won so quickly and you're thinking, well, I just remember. And then it's kind of the point now where I think everybody's just been beaten into submission <laughs> and you're just like you just don't even care if he gets the pl- the best players anymore. I mean, it just doesn't matter because you're like, well, of course they did. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not, yeah. even, it's not even we're talking about yeah, like recruiting battles. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, they got yeah. the best talent, and that's how it's going to be. And I'm not even mad about it anymore. You know, yeah. I see so much of that on the boards. It's like in the beginning of his tenure, it was that everything he did, the Auburn fans on the message board, it was like, I mean, it was like it was like a battle, right? They were fighting him, and now it's just it's complete, just. It's, you know, from a fan point, it's like, we, I mean, I don't, what's the point anymore? They're awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you know, let's just hopefully we can beat them. Like just in terms of like how much mental power they put into trying to like battle Saban in Alabama and they're recruiting and stuff. It's funny. I think fans for the most part are just like, I mean, that's a, that's a monster. We're just going to deal with it. Yeah, well, I, I think the good news is if you're a fan of another program an LSU and Auburn, Georgia, whoever, I'm, I'm comfortable to say we'll never see this happen again. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you, you, if you can survive this one, you're probably never going to see a run at any school like this again. And the remarkable thing, like you mentioned, is through all that, Auburn has won a national championship, yes. been to another national championship, was number two in the country in the SEC championship game another season. They're a win from a playoff. Um, and then, you know, have the 19 Iron Bowl, which is nuts. But I mean, like in the middle of that, you still Auburn in the in the same state still managed to break through. Yes, with these seasons, and and then gosh, you know, of course that was like the pinnacle. And then like literally they went they had their best season and their worst season in the history like two years later. It's only Auburn, but 
<laughs> it's incredible that they were able to break through and have some of the seasons they did in the middle of this. Like you don't see Oklahoma State breaking through and doing anything with with what Oklahoma's done or I mean, you don't you haven't seen them break through and win the Big 12 or or get in the playoff. I mean, it's pretty no. unbelievable. I mean, the list of coaches that have beaten Nick Saban three times when he's at Alabama is a pretty short list and and it's Gus Malzahn. So, I mean, it can Bring be done. Bring him back. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know about that. It can be done. Look, man, I, I say this, and Auburn fans think I'm. I don't. I don't know why. I, some Auburn fans have gotten upset at me saying this. I think most of them understand what I'm saying. It is to me the ultimate compliment I could say about the Auburn fan base. But in in Iron Bowls, when Auburn is good, to me that crowd at Jordan Hare Stadium is worth a touchdown. Like I've been to those games. I mentioned that 09 game earlier. You mentioned the 19 game, which is insane. Yeah, it's like that Auburn crowd wills their team to victory sometimes. Um, and I have seen Alabama teams that are poised everywhere else that lose their poise a little bit in that, in that crowd, it has an impact. So, um, that, uh, to your point about Auburn being able to at times play with them, I think primarily when that game's at Jordan Hare, that, that, you know, if you've got a team that is close to the same level of quality, that's going to be an, an amazing game. No, you're right. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to trying to deal with Alabama in, the, in their peak and trying to break through. And it's, you know, Auburn has a good history, a great history. And they, you know, maybe it's the fact that they're in their own state and that they have had success against Alabama yeah. in the past. And it, it, it's like, yeah, as good as Alabama has been, if there's one school that's not going to, you know, be in awe, it's going to be people, I guess, in Auburn that have, that, I mean, we're around when Shula was there or whatever. And it's like, hold on. Right. Like we've, I've yeah. seen Auburn beat Alabama before. Like, Maybe that's the one team that's not, you know, completely like in, in all of them. I don't know. It's, may, it's maybe it's a good point. Well, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting season. We'll see. Hopefully, um, hopefully, you know, Alan Green said that that everything at Auburn should be back to normal. I mean, he said there's no expectations for 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 distancing or mask or or uh, uh, vaccine cards or anything at Auburn. Of course, you know, we're seeing stuff pop up at LSU and in Ohio State. And in uh, saying that they are going to require some 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 types of limitations and or some types of requirements, mandates, showing vaccine cards, things like that. I think Georgia came out and said nothing. So it's going to be all over the place. I guess people will be back in the stands one way or another. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I uh, I love college football. I mean, you know that you know me a long time. I I spend my whole Saturday in my basement watching college football as much as I can from sunup, you know, literally from the 11 o'clock kick to the end of the Pac-12 game. And uh, one of the things I missed most last year was the atmosphere that you get, even watching on TV, not just in person, but watching on TV. There's nothing like the atmosphere of the college football game. So I hope whatever um, the scenarios are, we at least get back to some of that. That, that, would, be, uh, that would be medicine for me um, because, man, I missed that last year. Yeah, yeah, me as well. I think I think some of these first week games are going to be unbelievable atmospheres. I mean, even even in Auburn against Akron, I think it'll be um, it'll feel, <clears throat> it'll yeah. feel like a conference game. I think. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, just a chance to get back in it. Yeah. Well, man, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it, man. Um, hey, tell everybody one more time where to go get the app. Well, where they can find you and where to go get the app because the yeah. apps the app makes it easy too. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything's on the app. Nextroundlive.com is the website, nextroundlive.com. And if you just search the next round in your Apple or Google Play store, you'll find the app. Uh, the show streams 24-7 on the app. We do it live 9 to 1 central. 
And as soon as it's over at one, it starts over. And anytime you open the app, the show just starts playing. So you can listen anytime you can podcast it, watch it on video, YouTube live, all the video platforms. And we try to make it as easy as possible to get. And if you have any suggestions, uh, any of your followers have any suggestions where they would like to see it, you give us the suggestion. We'll try to get it there. I promise. So, uh, I appreciate you letting me promote it. And, uh, I'm just thankful you were able to overcome your uh, days of interning and working with us <laughs> to make something of yourself and succeed in this industry. So that, that is, that is, uh, that is a plus for you. Hey man, <clears throat> learn from the best. From the best. <laughs> um, hey man, appreciate it so much. And I appreciate everybody being a part of the show. Make sure you go check out the next round guys and uh, awesome stuff. And we will be back next time. See ya. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.